It, it didn't actually look that way. The enemy's going to try and sow seeds of doubts into our hearts and into our minds that will try and lessen our faith in God and what he has done. 1 Peter 5, 8-9 says, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to defar. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And although we just celebrated what God did, and you're like, oh, where's he going with this? This might be a wee bit heavy. It's not. It's just a reminder for us this morning not to get comfortable where we're at, not to be complacent where we are, not to settle with what God did last week, although it was amazing and we have to rejoice and celebrate. Let's not be complacent. Let's not settle because there's more to come. The mission may be over. Prayers may have been answered and so on. But it is time for us to press on build our faith, stay firm, and continue to chase after the goodness of God. Hebrews 13, 6 says, so we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man, what can man do to me? And as I was thinking for this, this morning, I was thinking, how can we not be comfortable? How can we not be complacent? How can we not settle? And that's the answer. The Lord is our helper. He is our helper. If, there, if you're anything like me, you will really struggle to ask for help. Some people say I'm stubborn. I just like to think I don't want to put people through the, the, pro, uh, the trouble of trying to help me. Or I just don't want to bother people. But it probably is stubbornness, to be totally honest with you. But if you're anything like me, you will struggle to ask for help. So this idea of God being our helper won't come naturally to you. It won't come naturally to us. But for us all today, no matter what we face, no matter what the enemy throws our way, we can stand firm and say the Lord is our helper. We will call on him and we will lean on him. If you have your Bibles with me, with you this morning, uh, will you turn with, with me to John 14 and we're going to read verses 15 to 31. And Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the Lord cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you yet a little while and the world will see me no more, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. In that day you will know that I am in the Father and you in me and I in you. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and he will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words and the world that you hear is not mine but the father's who sent me. These things I have, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives to you, do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. 
You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you love me, you, have, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer talk much with you, for the rulers of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do, as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. And just before these verses, we see that famous verse in, in chapter 13 where Jesus declares that he is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. And this comes after, the context around this passage here comes after chapter 13 where Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And Jesus is preparing his disciples for the cross, preparing them for that, that moment everyone's dreading, the moment that Jesus will no longer physically be on earth with them. He's preparing them for the commission, the ministry, and preparing them to serve and to witness him. In the end of chapter 13 and in the chapter 14, Jesus is commanding the disciples to follow his example, to be more like him. In John 13, 14 to 15, Jesus, just after Jesus washes the feet of the disciples, Jesus tells them to watch each other's feet, following his example. In John 13, 34, Jesus tells the disciples to love one another just as Jesus loved them, again, following the example he set them. And in John 14, 1, Jesus tells the disciples to put their faith in God, the Father, and in Jesus, again, following the examples of Jesus' teachings throughout the Gospels. He is preparing them for something. He is equipping them for something. And after Jesus tells them to keep the commandments, he left the disciples the ones that, some being the ones that we've looked at and some being the other ones that we can see throughout those passages, we see that Jesus says, if you keep my commandments, if you follow my example, I will ask God the Father to give you another helper when I'm gone. Again, Jesus is preparing his disciples for his departure from earth, making sure the disciples are ready, but are also sure that they won't be alone on earth as they carry out the mission of the church that Jesus started. Jesus knew that the disciples would need to keep these commandments. That is disciples, not just the 12 present on that day, but the disciples that would follow in the centuries to come, the ones in this room today, all of us who believe in God here today, that we would need help in our journey to keep these commandments. We would need help as we walk this earth so Jesus promised to pray for a helper to dwell within us as we walk on earth. The word helper in the Greek is parakletos, and this word translates to the idea that's of someone who is called to help another person, an advisor, legal defender, mediator, or intercessor. The helper is the Holy Spirit, who God did send to us to help us. The Holy Spirit was sent to help us out, to advise us, defend us, mediate for us and intercede for us. One writer says, one way to understand the work of the helper is to understand the opposite of that work. The devil is called the accuser in full opposition to this name and title given here to the Holy Spirit. So for us to understand how the Holy Spirit can help us, we need to understand actually that on the other side, there's the accuser, the enemy, someone who is prowling around like a roaring lion, someone who is seeking to st steal, kill, and destroy lives. The Holy Spirit, however, is a helper who dwells within us. 
who mediates for us, intercedes for us, defends us, and advises us. The Holy Spirit is in complete opposition to the enemy. So why wouldn't we call to God for help? Why wouldn't we call unto God for help when he is working in opposition to the one that seeks to kill, steal, and destroy? The Holy Spirit, our center, sent in Jesus' name, is for us, not against us. Jesus in verses 25 to 27 again talks about the Holy Spirit as our helper. And we see Jesus says that the Holy Spirit will take on the baton that Jesus held and he will continue to teach us. He will continue to bring things back to our remembrance that we've already learned and he will dwell within us. And this morning I want to draw on three points through this passage that I hope will help us practically go to God for help and call on to God our helper. The first point was, is, sorry, not past tense, we're still talking, is that we were never meant to do it alone. In Genesis 2.18, when God creates Eve, we see that God says, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Even in the Garden of Eden, even in, in that perfect place where sin didn't reign before the fall, man needed a helper. And thank goodness we did. Even in that, Adam needed help. So how much more do we need help today? How much more in the sin-corrupted world that we live in today do we need help? We were never made to do it alone. We see throughout scriptures where God helped, guided, delivered, and freed people. It was through the power of God the Israelites got out of Egypt, through the wilderness, and into the promised land. It was through the grace and mercy of God that we are set free and can have eternal life. We were never made to do it alone. And God knew this. Jesus knew this. And that's why he asked God the Father to send us the Holy Spirit, our helper. The Holy Spirit that God, we see in the passage, God sends to be with us forever. And why is that important? Because we can't do it alone. We need help on this journey of life. Jesus knew this. And that's why he asked the Father for the Holy Spirit. And if we go back to the Garden of Elam, God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. He was with them, but sin separated this relationship. We were created to have a relationship with God. We were created to be in communion with God. We were never meant to do it alone, but with God and each other. Through the blood of Jesus, our high priest, we have this access to a real relationship with God. It's not through works. It's not through rules. It's not through any of that stuff, but it's through faith that we can be saved, through faith that we will enter the gates of heaven. And this is what Jesus is calling us to in this passage. God is our helper. So through faith, we must go to him and we must lean on him and we must trust him because we weren't made to do it alone. God wants us to do it with him. That is why he sends the Holy Spirit to dwell within us because God wants to have fellowship with his people. And yes, God has given us the church, a body of believers that the Bible says is to help, encourage, and lift up one another, to look after each other, to build one another up. Yes, the Bible says iron sharpens iron, and as the body, we are to sharpen the minds and hearts of each other, but we don't do that enough. We can't just hold on to each other. We can't hold on to man to, to lift us up and to help us in this battle that we've already talked about. We need the Holy Spirit. We need the helper that God sends to come alongside us, lift us up, teach us, guide us, bring things back to our remembrance because unfortunately, 
we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of the glory of God. And we argue, we let petty things build up in the body of Christ. And at times there's disunity. But when our help comes from God, when we lean on, the, on our companion, that is the Holy Spirit, things become so much easier because God is our helper. And we were never made to do this alone. The second point is, we were never meant to carry this load. Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is where Mark's going to come and help me. Help me explain this. I'm going to move some things out of the way. Come on. Now, I, I want to make a disclaimer. These weights aren't mine. They're Harry's. Um, I need bigger ones, if you can all imagine. They're just a wee bit too small for me. Would you grab that as well, please, Mark? So Jesus says, Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, we'll read it again. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I think we'll go here so everyone can see you. Jesus tells us to take all this weight we've been carrying. So this is to represent some weight. I'm going to put it on your shoulders. So prepare yourself. So this is us walking around our lives, going through things. And now this is light. It is, isn't it? This is light. So life is good. Life is, we're on top of the mountain and things are good. We're rejoicing, we're having fun. But then some things start to come our way and start to build on us. I'll start with the light ones, Mark, don't worry. So some financial troubles come in, gets a little bit heavier. I'll balance it out because don't want you tipping that way. Some stress, some grief, some heartache, and it starts to get heavier and it starts to build. And for us, sometimes, so I'm going to talk for a bit, so you may just hope that you're all, I'm only joking, I'm only joking. And sometimes we focus on these things. And this life and stuff, the things that we worry about, they get us down. But Jesus tells us to give it to him. He tells us when we do this, we find rest. And maybe for some of us, rest sounds amazing right now because of all the things that are keeping you up at night. The tiredness and how you're drained, thinking about these burdens. But when Jesus says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light, what he's talking about is, I tried to get an actual yoke from the fields, but it was too expensive on eBay. And um, so this, if you can imagine a yoke, Mark is a, a young oxen, he's plowing the fields, and he has a yoke on him. But what happens is the young yoke, he's not experienced, he doesn't know, so he starts going quick, and he starts fearing offline, and the, the field's plowed in all different shapes and sizes, and it's not consistent or straight. He goes offline, off course, because he has no help. But when Jesus says, take my yoke upon you, for my burden is like, what Jesus is saying is, he's not going to take it off, but what he's going to do is he's going to come alongside you. Let go a wee bit. And he's going to come in here, and he's going to take it with him. And he's going to take it with you. So he takes the weight. So you see now, Mark has no weight on his shoulders. 
Because Jesus has taken his yoke. He's taken it off Mark's shoulders. And he's saying, keep your eyes on me. Keep your eyes focused on me. And watch me and I'll show you. So when, in the fields, when they plowed the fields together, they would have paired a young oxen with a slightly better looking older oxen. <laughs> and they would have done it together. So my job as the older oxen is to teach Mark I actually slow and steady wins the race. So you watch me, you come alongside me and we'll go at my pace and I'll take the brunt of this as you learn and we'll go at my pace and we'll take a straight line and we'll take the ploy and the fields will be ploughed a lot neater than if you did it yourself. Colin's probably agreeing with me here if you let you loosen the tractor. But when Jesus said, take my yoke upon you, he said, he is the older oxen in our lives. So he takes this yoke off our, sh- off our shoulders and he says, keep your eyes focused on me. Watch me and we'll stay straight. We'll stay on this path. It'll be my timing. It'll be my speed, not yours. Because remember, you're the young oxen who goes all over the place. You go over there, go over there. You do this and you do that. But if you keep your eyes on Jesus, he's saying, I'll take this yoke upon you. I'll take it. The weight will still be there. The stress will still be there. But when you come to me, all who are heavy laden, I'll give you rest because I'll take it. I'll walk in the straight line. I'm so happy I didn't put more weight on this. I'm, <laughs> I will walk in the straight line and you walk beside me. It's not that Jesus will, it's not that there's this magical thing that actually because we're Christians, we don't get it. We still have the weight, but we have the joy and the hope and the assurance that Jesus takes it for us because when we go to him, he will give us rest. So he comes alongside us and he says, watch me. We'll go together, my timing, my pace, my line, my way, and you can learn from me. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. We the help. <laughs> we'll put it here. Hopefully I'm not going to always say. You can all give Mark a nice round of applause while he goes to his seat. Jesus takes the weight off us when we go to him and we call for help. We were never meant to carry the load of life by ourselves. We were never meant to take the weight of lives on our own because we can't. We're not strong enough. We can't do it alone because the enemy, he does prowl like a roaring lion. He does seek to kill, steal and destroy. But Jesus has come to give life and life in abundance and life in the fullness And part of that is the rest that he gives us when he takes that weight off our shoulders. But what I love most about that is he doesn't take the weight and disappear. He takes the weight and he's beside us. He walks with us. He walks along with us and he takes us on that straight path. Trying to keep our, if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, we go on that straight path. We'll not fear off side to side like the young oxen would have on the field. But we will keep that path straight and we will be share with God. A life without Jesus and wearing the yoke of Jesus without Jesus' yoke is tiring and draining. But one that Jesus gives us is life, light and life-giving. Jesus wants us to give him this weight. He wants to take this burden off us so he can help teach us, help us learn how to live life with him. He doesn't want us to struggle or feel this way but he is stretching out that helping hand and whatever weight we are carrying today, 
whatever is weighing us down today, Jesus is saying, come to me. I will take it. I will lift it. And we can do this together. God is a relational God. And he comes beside us and says, look at me. Keep your eyes on me. I'll get you through this. Focus on me. Don't look around and keep your eyes on me. Walk in my time at my pace, just like the older oxen did with the younger one. And Jesus says he will get us there. We weren't made to live life weighed down or burdened, but actually for those who have called upon the name of the Lord and are saved, we we are called to live in freedom and lightness of Christ because he has the victory on the cross. We're already, if we read Romans 6, Romans 6 talks about the, sin, the power of sin is broken. We looked at it on Friday night, so the young people will be able to preach this better to me, hopefully. But the power of sin is broken. And Paul says, actually, why would you want to live in something that's already dead to you? Why wouldn't you want to live in the freedom and light? Because God has the victory. And it comes with these things that weigh us down, the weights that, that put, put weight on our shoulders, the thing that weighs us down. Why would we want to carry this load when we weren't made to? God says, come to me and I will take it away from you. He can carry it and we can't. Jesus has offered us this amazing life of abundance, living in the victory of the cross. He wants to show us that when we take upon his yoke, the things in life, they don't go away. But when we call to God for help, he takes it and carries it for us. I also believe that that was an image of the church originally, where the body of Christ comes together, young and old, united for one purpose, for one calling, and that is Jesus. Where we come together, where we work alongside each other, where we we help each other plow the fields and work the ground, where it's not just actually there, that's that group and that's that group and they work, but we work in unison. The Bible says unity commands a blessing. So when, when I came alongside Mark, not only was it just to help him carry the weight off the shoulders, but actually it's me saying, come on Mark, we'll do this together. Here are your friends and we'll go talk to them about Jesus together. Who are the people around you? Who do you want to see saved? Who, what is the need in your community? Because that's the beauty of the body of Christ. We are believers, to build, we are called to build one another up, to be there for each other. And the, this looks like seeing a brother and sister here struggling with that weight and come alongside them and saying, let me help you. Let me come alongside you and walk this path with you a while because we weren't made to do it alone and we weren't made to carry this heavy load. And the third point is probably the one that we'll struggle with the most. We need to call for help. We need to call for help. We need to set aside, well, for me, it's my stubbornness, the fact that I think I can do it myself, and I need to call for help because I can't do it without him. I can't do it on my own. Jesus tells us to go to him with the things in our lives that hold us down, the worries, fears, temptations, and so on. We are to go to God. Philippians 4, 6-7, and I love how the message paraphrases these verses. It says, Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good, will come and settle you down. 
It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Why do we need to call for help? Because Jesus tells us in Matthew 11 that after we go to him, he will give us rest. Paul in Philippians 4 says that when we go to God with our worries, we find peace. So the things in our hearts that are, are, we're struggling with, the things in our hearts that we, that we are battling with, when we go to God, we find rest and we find peace. God is our helper. The Holy Spirit was sent to help us when we need it most and when we don't need it. To help us follow the commands that Jesus gave us. To help teach us new things about scripture. To help guide us on this journey in life. And if you're anything like me, asking for help isn't easy. But when we pull together everything we've talked about this morning, actually, God sent us a helper. Because Jesus says in Matthew 19, that with God all things are possible. So when we can't see a way, God's saying, let me help you because there is a way. When we are struggling with things in our lives and we can't see how we can overcome it, God's saying, I've already overcome it, so call on me and I'll deliver this with you. When we can't see the hope of the of future or, or we're struggling with different things in our lives, God's saying, don't worry, I have it. I have it, so come to me. Come to me. He will deliver you. He has already overcome these things. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. The things you may be facing in your life is not unseen. God sees it. God understands it. And the Apostle Paul is writing to the Corinthian church about idolatry in this passage. And he's, saying, he's telling them that actually these idols you keep returning to, these things from your old life that you keep going back to, the sin you keep returning to, it won't overtake you. Why? Because God is faithful and he won't let the temptation be beyond you. And he will also provide a way of escape. This way of escape, I believe, it's us calling for help. The way of escape, I believe, is us going to God with our worries, with our fears. God's help is our way out. And it comes back to what the, the message paraphrases Paul's words to in Philippians. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It may seem big and impossible, but the promise of scripture in Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. When we call for help, he will strengthen us. When we call for help, he will get us through it. When we call for help, nothing can stop the power of God. And it may seem like there's no way out, but God gives us that way out. We need to call for help. We cannot do it alone. Psalm 46.1 says, God is our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble. This is our way out. The refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble is God. And we need to refocus our lives and call out to God. We need to refocus our lives from the worries and the fears and so on. And we need to let Christ displace that at the center of our lives. And you may think, oh sure Ben, we're living on cloud nine after the mission. I just, I'm coming to send a warning. 
a warning before complacency sets in, a warning before we get comfortable, because it's very easy after weeks like that for us to stop. And as you've already heard through Isaiah 60 that uh, Pastor Neil shared this morning, we're not stopping. We're going to keep going because there's a work to do and there's stuff that needs to happen and there's lives that need to be saved for the kingdom of God. But we need to call on God for our help because through him all things are possible. We weren't made to do it alone. We weren't made to carry this load and we need to call for help. Jesus asked God the Father to send us a helper because he knew us. He knew what we are like. Our weak human state couldn't stay on that, that narrow path without help. The Holy Spirit, Jesus says, will be with us forever. A gift that we so often neglect and don't use. A gift that is a present help in times of trouble. A gift sent to teach us all things and bring Jesus' teaching back to our remembrance. We need to lean on the Holy Spirit when times get tough, not go in the other direction. Even when we are on cloud nine, it's very easy for us to, to, to have God here and the battle here and just stay in the middle. It's very easy for us to just to, to sit and be comfortable because we've, we've prayed for months about God today and we've seen the prayers answered. But we need to keep going. It's very easy for us to get comfortable and sit where we're at. But actually when God says, I will help you, he will give us the strength we need. He will give us the energy we need. So this morning, where do you find your help? Is it from God or is it from yourself or from another human? Or... Are you even getting help today? The worship team are going to come just as we close. And can we confidently say this morning what the psalmist says in Psalm 121? I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? Where does your help come from this morning? Is it God? Is it other people? Or is it from nowhere? The psalmist goes on to say, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and who made earth. If we don't go to God for our help, we won't find a way out. Things build up and things get too much for us. And God knew this. That is why we have a helper. He knows every single one of our hearts. He knows where we're all at. And he knew we need a helper. He knew we would need someone to help us and guide us and keep us on that straight path because he knows what we're like. Psalm 33, 20 says, Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Our souls may be weary this morning, and it's time for us to go to God and find rest and peace in Him. We may be struggling with different things, but we need to call for help from God because God says in His Word that He will give us a way out. Even if we're on a mountaintop this morning, it's still for us. We can get so comfortable when we're on the mountaintop and we forget that there's a battle below us and that these things do come our way no matter what. We need to keep our eyes to the hills because our help comes not from man, not from ourselves, but from God. And even if you're here this morning and you don't know God, he is your help. He is a very present help, no matter what you face, no matter what you're doing. And there is space and there's time here this morning for you to call on him as well because he is reaching out to you. If we're going to pray just before we go into a time of worship. And, and we're going to sing a song that's going to help us, just lead us into calling to God for help. Lord, I need you. 
how I need you, every hour I need you. So God, I thank you that you are our help. God, I thank you that we can lean to you, God. And Lord, that we never have to do it in our own strength, in our own will, in our own way. But God, we can do it through you. God, I thank you for the scriptures that say that, God, when in our minds, God, that when things get too much and we can't see a way out, God, that you make a way out. God, when, when things seem impossible, that all things are possible through you, God. So Lord, I pray that you'll help us call to you for help. No matter where we are, God, whether we're on the mountaintop, whether we're deep in the valley, or whether we don't know you at all, God, I pray that we will call on to you for help because you have called us to do that, Lord. You say, come to me, come to me. So God, I pray that we will go to you, that we will go to you and that we will call upon the name of the Lord. God, that we will find help and strength in you. So Lord, I pray that you will be with us in Jesus' name.